For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings, come out and Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with BMAC and Baker. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Believe in Vikings, BMAC and Baker. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and we got a, a show, my goodness, a robust show tonight. We have Optimistic Vikings fan from Twitter. Uh, he's joining us tonight. Uh, we have all of this free agency talk that is rapid fire and has been since Monday. So we're going to go over the players that are incoming and the players that are outgoing via free agency. I'm talking about Daniil Hunter uh, and his uh, apparent request for a bigger contract. And it's going to be one of the most jam-packed shows that we've had since we started doing this in August. So stay tuned. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag, our sponsor. Bet online, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA is in full swing and the college uh, basketball heats up as schools make their way to March Madness. The tournament is coming and so is the $100,000 bracket, ma- uh, bracket Madness contest as Bet Online is the spot for all of your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets and, feel, and it's free to sign up. Head to betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book expert. It is a phenomenal time to have a Vikings show. Um, as we went on air, the Minnesota Vikings signed Patrick Peterson from the Arizona Cardinals, a player that I don't know if I'd say is long rumored to be associated with the Vikings and free agency, but there's always been hints that perhaps his contract is up, he would join the Vikings. So now he will. Um, his year last year per the numbers was underwhelming, um, but there's a sentiment that if anybody can get him back to his peak, it is a defensive back first head coach and Mike Zimmer. And there's also speculation that he would maybe play a little safety since we don't have one of those. So we're not sure. We're going to speculate all of that. Uh, and tonight we have Ian from Eden Prairie. So I'm going to start off with you, sir. Um, I didn't see any rumblings about this about him being on our radar. I saw Richard Sherman, saw William Jackson, and then boom, it's Patrick Peterson. So knee-jerk reaction from Ian. What do you got? Well, we definitely had the, uh, you know, vet cornerback need. And and we were looking around, and I think Patrick Peterson definitely fits that bill, whether he's even, <clears throat> excuse me, whether he's even got as much as we have, as we hope he has left in the tank. I don't know if that entirely matters. Um, I think he's going to fill that Terrence Newman kind of role um, and and bring these young guys up and really, you know, more matter more to the team than just his his play on the field. 
Um, we, the, those young guys need that vet presence. That's not Harrison Smith and the safety. Cause we also know he's kind of a quiet guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I really think that this is a, a perfect signing. Um, it's rumored to be a, a one-year deal with, uh, for 10 mil, which is, is a little rich in my taste. Um, maybe we'll find out in two, three days that there's void years on it. Like we did with Tomlinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the new trend is that, uh, you- <laughs> And then you peel behind the curtain and yeah, you see like voidable years and all this stuff. Do you think he'll play corner or safety? Um, I see him playing corner uh, uh, at least this year. You know, if, if, if there are void years that we, and we end up keeping him, maybe, maybe that transition will happen. Um, but I don't see him as a true fit next to uh, a Smith. Uh, I think he's going to, we, we would need more of a, a free safety type. And I, I think he would be more of a, a blitzing type similar to Smith himself. Um, well, spectacular. Um, Ron, um, did your wife have the child? She did. And, and it's a boy, right? Congrats. Congratulations. I think, I think you went mute on us for a second, sir. I'm sorry. No, that's all right. So repeat what you said. Yep. So he, um, yeah, he was born yesterday morning at 746. Um, his name is Roman. Roman, okay. Everything doing well. Mama and baby both doing great. So, um, yeah. And this is your second, right? Second one, yes. So two hundred. It'll be thank you, Brian. Congratulations, sir. All right, we're gonna go to the less the less important stuff then. Um, (laughs) What does Patrick Peterson to the Vikings do for Ron? So, you know, I like it in the sense that he gives us that true outside corner um, to, to pair opposite of Dantzler. And it does give that veteran experience um, as someone who obviously has had success in this league. And, you know, just a few years ago, he was one of those uh, being rumored as, you know, one of the top in the game. Um, back when Rhodes was at the top of his game as well, there was a handful, um, you know, Peterson being one who was up there. So um, he's not the same player he was in, let's say, 18, 17, but what he brings um on the mental side um that i think will be helpful to those young guys um where he may not need to play 100 percent of the snaps because gladney and dancer can take care of that but when we go into nickel um you know assuming hughes um you know is in limited reps or how they work him around but uh um, he does give us that true big physical corner who he makes plays he's uh, always had good ball skills and um you know that's one thing that um that we don't typically have in the back end with dancer or you know on the outside with dancer and uh and Gladney. So hopefully he can add his experience to, and be that that guy to go up against the physical wide receivers that are out there. Yeah, he broke into the league in 2011. And every year up until 2018, he was a pro bowler. So that's eight pro bowls. And by the way, he had three all pros in there his rookie year, 2013 and 2015. So as of late is when he has not had the stardom, at least the accolades of all pro or uh, pro bowl. But we have to, uh, you know, put this in perspective. He's only, uh, was it 30? We're going to be 31. Uh, yeah, so he'll be 31 this summer. So it's not like, you know, we're getting a 37-year-old dude. Uh, I know there's some folks that are immediately not happy about the move too much money. You're going to have that uh, type of mentality uh, with any fan base. But I have to point out that he's not geriatric, and this isn't like, you know, some dude that we hope can maybe get back to the level he was because he's simply not that old. Uh, you can look at Richard Sherman, who's also free agent, as a testament to 
uh, quarterbacks don't, especially damn good ones like Peterson was, don't typically, uh, you know, just shut her down at age 30 or 31. Uh, Brian, do you know Peterson at all? Patrick Peterson? Uh, I'm, I'm aware of him and know of him, but I don't know him personally. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any, uh, not personal experience, but uh, teammate experience of a corner entering his thirties that might play safety or uh, do those dudes usually, you know, stick to it at cornerback for several more years? The ones that I know normally would stick to corner um, yeah. uh, for the most part, but I mean, I don't know how Zimmer operates or where he may feel like he is the best, better fit at. Okay. Yeah, so I think that the if you're looking for a takeaway, the underlying sentiment is we are pleased with the move. I always use this uh, cliche with the Vikings. It, it shows that we care. Um, it, it proves that, uh, you know, Zimmer and Spielman are like, we really want to shore up the secondary because the league is a pass-happy one. And then the best way to do that for us, evidently, is to go get a veteran corner to be that type of Mr. Miyagi to uh, Dansley, excuse me, Dantzler, Gladney, and arguably Hughes because – uh, he's like the oldest dude we got, and he's, what, 24? So uh, if if you are in camp, uh, you know, depth or camp age, Peterson really nails this. And uh, I said it before a few minutes ago that there should be no better man on the planet to get the best out of him than Mike Zimmer because, A, he's a defense always coach, and his, the, the spine of his resume is, you know, defensive backs. So we should be good. On that note, uh, shoring up the secondary, uh, we got closer to doing that this evening with Peterson two nights ago, we did the inverse, but equally as important in my opinion with the run defense, we were in the market for a three technique defensive tackle. And so we thought there was like, you know, 10 of them, good ones that are available. We thought we'd go get some, something like an endemic and two type who does rush the passer. But lo and behold, we had other plans. We went and got Dalvin Tomlinson from the New York giants, who is a large three tech D-tackle, if you even want to call him a three-tech, because he played nose tackle with the Giants. So in like the stroke of a pen, uh, the Vikings now have a very beefy interior defensive line with Michael Pierce, who didn't play last year because of the coronavirus. And now now Tomlinson, who can even play nose tackle if, you know, for some reason uh, Pierce didn't show up again, which is unlikely. So, Ian, I'm going to go back to you since you're the keynote guest. Uh, what was your temperature on Dalvin Tomlinson joining the Vikings? So I'm going to take a really quick pause on that and, and take a, a quick note on Peterson really yeah, quick too, um, because right after that announcement, I threw, uh, I was like, I want to throw on some tape because he was considered taking a step back last year. So I threw on some tape from last year. The first game that popped up for me was the the Bills game. And in every, every play I saw right away, he was on digs. So if he's shadowing number, and obviously I have to look at more tape from last year, but if he's yeah. sitting there shadowing the number one all of last year, of course he's going to take a step back. He's 30s <laughs> and shadowing the number ones. Yeah. Like I, I, so, and, and we don't need him to do that here because we have Dantzler, because we have Gladney, because we have Hughes, we don't need him to shadow that number one. So I think that that could help him uh, move forward too and have a, a better year than he did last year. Yeah, and even, uh, and I'll let you get back to Tomlinson, even just the memories of 2020, that you know, it's not that far away, where our depth after Hughes got hurt, I mean, it was Chris Jones and, you know, Holton Hill before he was released. And it was, you know, players that national folks would be like, who is this? 
And so now they can't do that anymore, especially and it, I, we do all of this thinking about Peterson as if Hughes won't even be on the team. And we know yeah. he will. We just have a question mark about his health. So if he's actually healthy for the first time, then you're looking around thinking this secondary is actually pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So so on Tomlinson, though, you know, I think uh, everyone is kind of sitting there wondering why we got him um, because we do because he did play nose tackle last year and we do have Pierce coming back. Um, but he's definitely someone that can play on both interior spots on the line. Um, you know, those same fans that are upset with the fact that we got a, a second nose tackle are also upset that we didn't tender um, Odenabo. And when you look back at literally just last year, Tomlinson had a better pressure rate, yeah. a better a, a better sack rate, a better like he he was better at rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. And Odenigbo was on the edge. And that's actually so. kind of pathetic <laughs> because by design, he's supposed to be able to, I mean, just by being a competent player, he should get more inherently. Uh, but lo and behold, there's this, you know, big nose tackle that's getting more pressure. So continue. I cut you off. No, no. You're, you're, you're added to my point. Uh, it, <laughs> but, and, and also, so what if he's also a nose tackle? Yeah. You're, you're looking at, Williams wall 2.0. Yeah. Like there look at literally all you have to do is pull up the saints tape from last year and be like, yeah, we could use two nose tackles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. And, and it should be noted that again, in this past happy league and fantasy football galore, which is awesome. Um, teams that stop the run thrive and they reach the postseason. If you are curious as to who the top run defense was in the NFL during 2020, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm fairly certain that they won the Super Bowl. So <laughs> it's no scourge to be able to stop the run. And even so with that camp that's naysayers, like, why did we have to go stop the run? We need to, you know, stop the pass. Well, then we went and got Peterson. So can you not be appeased? You know, we're doing this on two fronts. So, all right, big, uh, big Mac here, B Mac, excuse me. Um, the, Dalvin Tomlinson that we signed from the Giants, uh, he played nose tackle last year. We're going to play him at the three-tech. Do you – in college, he played mostly three-tech, although he was always on the bigger side of a three-tech at Alabama. So I want to know from you, do you see any disadvantage by having two large men on the inside of the line that are basically good at stopping the run? Do I see a disadvantage? Well, he's not – theorized to be a ferocious pass rusher. And normally these days, three techniques are known for rushing the passer. Well, this Tomlinson dude is known for stopping the run. So um, I feel like it's good to have um, those two guys, you know, two big solid guys in the middle, just because they can at least start pushing back, you know, the pocket a little bit, even the mm-hmm. pass protection, you know, they might not be free, but they collapse a little bit. And then it gives the edge rushers, you know, a chance to kind of bend the corner. So I think it's pretty good to have, two strong guys, stout guys who can stop the run and, and create a little like pressure using the, the the offensive linemen, you know, to put them into the uh, quarterback's lap. Yeah. And you lived it. Unlike any other person on this show, you lived it with the Williams wall. We got to watch it on our couches as youngsters. Um, so I, I doubt there was a time when you're like, God, these dudes, all they do is stuff the run. I, I doubt you <laughs> felt that way. Nah, because you know, Pat was always good at, Pat would have his moments where he was really good at getting off the snap count and he'd get you a little pressure back there. And Kevin just was so smooth with his moves. Like Kevin was getting a lot of sacks too, yeah. you know, from the inside as well. So, you know, those two guys were just different. And I feel like yeah. those guys are going to be similar. 
Yeah, and then we should know, I mean, just for posterity, that Kevin Williams is a better football player than Dalvin Tomlinson, at least to date yeah. for Tomlinson. So it's it's a little bit apples to oranges for Williams Wall because Kevin Williams also added in that pass rush, so we certainly won't take that away. But it also brought to mind um, Big Mac in the, in the next couple of months, we should have Pat Williams back on to get his take on this revamped, you know, Williams Wall type of gig. So Okay. Keep that in the back of your head because he could, he'll give perspective that you know none of us can give, and then we yeah. can probably close down the naysayers with it too. Ron, I know that you have opinions on Tomlinson or the second Dalvin in NFL history who is now also a Viking. Uh, what do you think of Tomlinson to this team? So I love it. On, on top of the ability to to stop the run, um, I think people pigeonhole someone in their size as playing like he's only a nose tackle, but those <laughs> who don't necessarily follow the Giants don't realize he was a nose tackle because Leonard Williams was alongside him and Leonard Williams is the pass rusher out of the two so I mean Brian you're a perfect example like there's not many 6 8 350 pound left tackles in today's game so you would be pigeonholed as well maybe you're a right tackle but obviously you weren't a right tackle you were a fantastic left tackle so for people to just look at oh he's 6 4 2 3 or 320 that's strictly a nose tackle but he does have good mobility like he's like you can get pressure without getting sacks. You can push the pocket. Right. Um, you know, like look at the Vikings, for example, like on with our offensive line, Dozier may not have given up a lot of sacks, but he gave up a lot of inside pressure that resulted mm-hmm. in sacks from the outside. So if you can shore up the front, like you do, and Pierce might not necessarily be a three down uh, defensive tackle. He's more of that, that straight nose, nose guard run stuffer. Um, but Dalvin Tomlinson, I'm pretty sure he played a lot of the snaps in, in the Giants, and he wouldn't have done that if it was strictly a nose tackle. So, um, you know, people got to stop looking at just the sheer size of him and like, oh, now we've got a 700-pound front or of the two guys in the middle. Um, but watch the tape, and he can move a little bit. So um, I'm not too worried about that, but it is nice to, to look at it in the sense that he can get that pressure up front, but we're also not going to be vulnerable, um, you know, if it's third and six and they – run a draw play. So, yeah. um, whereas if you have like, you know, Hercules in the middle there, you know, he's all of what, 280 and, you know, just a light guy, good pass rusher, but you lose some, some of that run stopping ability. So you kind of have that, um, from both sides, he, he'll eat up some blockers to let the edge guys get their pressure, but also push the, hopefully the interior of the offensive line backwards. So I love the move. I, I think that, you know, you think about it this way too, even if they both are pure bull rushers, which they're not, let's get that out there. They're not, but even if they were that interior offensive line, whatever they're facing, they can only double team one of them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and worst, worst case is it, that you make them one dimensional and then you just have big bodies up front that clear space for Kendricks and bar and let them fly around and make plays. So, right. um, you know, it's, I don't know. Like the, the yeah, the, the there's a lot of people. Like, I'm I'm really starting to to look at Vikings Twitter and like it's it's so polarizing in every aspect. And in a lot of areas, it's like, what the hell are you thinking? Like you know, just yeah. we made a move. Like they, I trust that there's people a lot smarter than me making these decisions. And let's just see how it plays out on the field. Uh, the other two things on Thomason is that we're also bringing a damn good dude. Uh, he's always up or he was up for the Walter Payton man of the year award stuff. So uh, it's something to be said that we're bringing in, you know, wholesome men in this organization, um, you know, cause we're losing one Kyle Rudolph, who's probably the paramount of that. So, uh, you know, as, as, as a dad, I have to mention that kind of stuff. Uh, and, then, and let's you know, not forget, you know, he's, in his four-year career, he hasn't missed a game. So yeah, your best of it, your best ability is availability. And if you're going to be on the field, then 
you know, that that right there is a win. So. Yeah, that, that that's humongous. And then uh, secondarily on this move, and this is kind of what Ian was talking about. Like, so Z- love Zimmer or dislike Zimmer or stale of Zimmer, no matter how you feel, you have to acknowledge that he is a defensive first coach that he is a guru the reason he was hired is to restore defensive presence with the vikings and he did um, but we have 2020 so fresh in our heads that you know i think we're strangely sour on the defense but he is here to coach defense and like you said ron like who are we to say like well i don't think it's gonna work i'm pretty sure he knows what he's doing like i don't think this is like an experiment that you know he drew up on madden that he's gonna try i, I think he's it's it's battle tested and what we've done before at the three technique outside of sheldon richardson is i've been saying it for like six years it's like we need to be better there we just put a serviceable guy whether it's tom johnson shamar steven um jaleel johnson and it just kind of skimmed by, but now we have more than that. You know, we have a perk, uh, we can do more. And so that, that's what brings me joy about the move is that we get an upgrade rather than just throw somebody there who fills snaps, so to speak. So that's well, key- and the, the defensive line was arguably the worst part of the bad defense last year. Now you have four completely new starters, basically <laughs> last year. Yeah. yeah, you do. It, it will so, be. Yep. Unless... <laughs> Let's see. No, I think it is going to be completely. I, I yeah. wrote this as soon as the season capped that the line will be completely redone. Um, and now with we'll get to Odenbo going to the Giants here in a little bit. And uh, the next question on this matter, uh, Ron, is do you think Weatherly is going to be, you know, he and Wanham are the solution on the right side of the line? Or do you think that we're, we will actually use the draft for that? Because um, I have to think that your your cornerback vision might have taken a hit with the Peterson acquisition. Yeah, I will say the cornerback, uh, my quarterback cornerback prediction has um, probably fallen off, um, but I'll take Patrick Peterson and the experience over a rookie any day. So, um, and also it allows, uh, gives us, gives us that capital to go pursue offensive line, which right now is the biggest hole. So um, now, as far as Weatherly, I, I do think Weatherly is going to be the starting defensive end um, with Wanham as a rotational guy. I don't think that they let, um, a Fetty walk if if Weatherly wasn't going to be the starter. Um, and that's not to say that they're not going to draft someone in the later rounds or mid rounds where Patterson can do his magic and develop them. But I mean, realistically, the, the Vikings haven't spent a lot of high capital on defensive line over the years, but they've always had really good D line, like when healthy uh, last year being the cat or being the anomaly. So um, I don't see them in the first round going defensive line. And also I think that it's not necessarily the, as far as the top tier guys, it's not the deepest. I think offensive line, it is showing that that's kind of um, one of the positions of strength in this draft, at least from the top few guys. But I think, you know, when you get outside of the the Miami kid, Rozo, or however you say it, um, and then Quiddy Pay, like outside of those guys, the next few guys, it seems like there's always a different name that's in that three yeah. to five range. So um, with the capital we have to be able to move up in the second, possibly in, if we need to grab someone, we can. Um, but I think what they're doing this offseason is going and getting um, players at positions that might not be the strongest in the draft. So they can use their capital to fill in other needs that, that they have, whether it's on the offensive line or whether it's at other depth spots, even, you know, safety becomes an option in the potential second round. So I don't know what's there, but um, it's opening up um, pretty well the way that it seems like the draft board is going to fall. Ian, do you think Weatherly is the week one starter on the other side of the line of Hunter? 
Um, yes, I do. Unfortunately, I'm going to say, unfortunately, just, I, I think that he will look better next to the, the interior that we have. I think he'll look better than he has in the past, but I do think, um, I'm going to say before the end of day two, I do think they'll grab an end. Um, okay. so, so I, I do think that play, type of player could, uh, because, because like you were, uh, insinuating, Defensive end is kind of top heavy in this draft. If if that, uh, uh, even the first round guys are kind of end of first round guys. Um, and I would add Jalen Phillips to to your top two as well. Um, He's mocked the Vikings a couple times. Yeah. Um, and, and I I wouldn't hate going defensive end with 14, honestly. I still wouldn't hate it. Uh, but I think that what we've done so far in free agency points to offense whether it's offensive line or not offense just because we are clearly focusing on the defense um and and honestly losing offense with with uh you know losing riley reef um and kyle rudolph and you know like we, we're subtracting from the offense whereas we're we're adding to the defense so to me that makes it feel like that first round or whether we pick in the first round who knows we might trade down totally out of the first that wouldn't surprise me but i think that first pick will be offense Okay. On, on the defensive line idea, you know, defensive end in the first round. So you can look at this two ways. Uh, they're either really overdue to take a edge rusher in the first round, or uh, they just don't really do it. So the last time they took an edge rusher in the first round was 2005 with Erasmus James. <laughs> that was the same night that Aaron Rodgers was drafted. So we haven't done it for 16 years. And Was it Udessa before that then? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think he... Lechi, yeah. I think he was 04. You'll have to look it okay. up. I think Erasmus was 05. And um, so, yeah, that was the last time. <laughs> so we, uh, and I haven't dug into enough to figure out if we're the longest drought for an edge rusher in the first round. But we've shown, especially under Zimmer, that we can find these dudes underneath in the draft or, you know, in Jared Allen's case, um, free agency. Or is that a trade? That was a trade. That was a trade. That was a first round pick. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I'd be careful with saying that, though, too, because let's not be under the impression that they're all successes. Like, granted, granted, you know, he has found the gems and Andre Patterson is a a better than average defensive line coach. Um, But we can't just sit there and say, oh, yeah, we'll draft a guy in the seventh and he'll be our starter. No, let's let's chill. always chuckle because you know i obviously i love watching the whole draft and then i watched the last you know two or three rounds and i always giggle at the fact how exciting we we get over sixth and seventh rounders and they hardly <laughs> ever pan out but we always think blake lynch is you know all these guys are the the one guy that's going to stand out and it happens like once every three years that one will pop up for the vikings and play a lot uh but we always have this vision that this sixth or seventh rounder that's drafted that moment all right he's the guy i watch the tape on he's going to be good and it just rarely happens so yeah. Uh, Bryant, I want to step away from free agency for a minute and talk to you about Daniil Hunter. Um, on the first day of free agency, I had the day off because I, in my, my daytime job, I work on Saturday, which I only do like twice per year. So I had Monday off, which was cool because it was the opening of free agency. So we're sitting there waiting for the Vikings to make a splashy move. And then our splashy move was the fact that Daniil Hunter is not happy with his contract and that trade talk is on the horizon if it doesn't get fixed. So, I mean, you know, just sticking it to us a little extra when we're waiting for something cool to happen. So, Ryan, Daniel Hunter is about the 18th highest paid defensive end 
um, heading into free agency. He's under yeah, contract. Already been, it's already lower than that. <laughs> By now it's down to the depths of hell. So he's underpaid. Uh, he took a very, very team friendly deal. No idea why. And then a reporter named Chad Graff from the athletic uh, dug up the story and said that indeed Hunter is disillusioned and this needs to get resolved. Otherwise he's going to be traded. Uh, so want to interrupt for just a second to talk about our newest sponsor, which is eBay. Um, whether rare dead stock or the latest release, um, find the exact shoes you're looking for on eBay. As for the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop a pair um, that you've been eyeing. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators, uh, which is a team of experienced sneaker authenticators. They verify the box, the logo, the stitching, etc., and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee uh, tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verification return process. And for the sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers over $100, making it free to sell and flip your collection. So go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Mr. McKinney, uh, tell me the perspective from the player. When does it set in that you look around at your position and you're like, hey, I'm not paid enough? Is there a moment in time or what needs to happen? Does the agent start Um, the position or what? You start, you start kind of gathering like with everybody else getting paid. You start looking at your stats and comparing, and re- and you start wondering like, how are they making more? Why, why haven't I been able to restructure? Your agent starts kind of telling you to. Your agent will kind of give you a little bit of advice of how to move or operate about some things as well, and then you kind of throw it out there that you're looking to restructure or redo a deal. And it's really up to the team to see if they want to cooperate or they want to let you go. Do you? I can't. Remember. I don't know if that. Besides the, you know, the first, your first uh, couple of weeks and months with the team, I can't really remember if you had any real contractual spats. Um, but see, you, from the limited amount I know about Hunter as a dude, you guys are similar. You guys are level-headed, classy dudes that don't really rock the boat. And so it's it's weird to hear malcontent coming from him because he seems like such a reasonable dude. Uh, but you, you got to remember, like this is a business on both sides. You know what I'm saying? So um, you have a small window of um, being able to, you know, make a certain amount of money. So yeah. you don't want to spend it in your prime being underpaid. You know what I'm saying? Because then later on, as you start to decline, they'll want to restructure and take pay away from you. So you don't want to spend that time a period of you're doing good now, but you're being underpaid for it, you know? Yeah. And how is it that, because obviously I think everyone, anyone who watches football can agree, Daniil Hunter is underpaid in respect, or in respect to all the other edge rushers in the league. I mean, it's, he just is. He's one of the most dominant. And yeah, like Leonard Floyd is making more money than him. So um, we all get that. But in the sense that coming off a year where you miss the entire year, like, is there is, is there something to be said about that? Like, it, like you're going to be unhappy. And again, I totally understand. Like you said, it's... You, your job and it's your livelihood and you deserve to, to be uh, paid handsomely amongst your peers. Um, but coming off a year where who knows what the neck injury is going to, going to hold them back from in the future. Um, is that something that like it, as from the team's perspective, like I'm talking about the players on the team, not necessarily the, the man general managers or anything. Do they kind of look at that as like, well, you just missed a year and you got paid for that year. And now you're wanting a raise prior to like showing that you're back like is there can there be any contention there 
some of his teammates may know that he's valuable and probably understands like, yeah, even though he missed the year, um, we know how valuable he is and, and some of them probably be okay with it. Um, I could see some people saying, well, you weren't even here last year, but what we do know is he's going to come back more fresh than everybody else because he missed the right. <laughs> And he's still only, what, 25, 26? So, I mean, he's... Right, he's still young. Yeah. And that, you know, as scary as neck injuries can be, that the that neck injury, players have come back fine from, like, totally fine, like, usually come back mm-hmm. just fine. I feel like so, for him to even want to discuss um, having a raise, he must know that his neck is in a good space. You know what I'm saying? Yep to come back in i think he feels confident on how he feels and feels like okay i had a whole year to kind of refresh myself and refocus too if you've been around if you've been away from a game that you've been doing a whole lot of time like me i've removed myself during the off season so when i come back it makes me more hungry to be back so he's been away for a whole season so he's hungry and gonna be more eager to get out here and perform so i think he knows what he's ready to do and capable of doing and um probably wants to be compensated for it though as well and it's also reported that he gained like 30 pounds of muscle. <laughs> and that dude's big. Already. Can you put more muscle on that? Right? Like, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> All right, Ron. So I want to ask you the doomsday scenario on this. So we, this, to any, to everybody in the Vikings orbit, this feels eerily similar, similar to Stefan Diggs's exodus. Maybe not with the uh, tomfoolery of weird tweeting and stuff like that. But uh, with Diggs, he wanted out of the offensive scheme and not necessarily uh, not the pay. He wasn't upset with that. And with Hunter, it's the inverse. He wants to, I think, stay in the defensive scheme where, you know, where he's showcased and not necessarily traded, but we still have the, you know, in our stomachs, it feels like it's heading towards the same direction. Um, Do you think this is a play merely for him to get his righteous justified money? Or do you foresee a scenario where we send him elsewhere for a first rounder and more? So I don't see us sending him out there. Um, I think it's completely different in the sense that like, yes, like it, I think it's well known that it seems like he wants to get paid. And again, he's well merited in that he's earned it. He's played, he's outplayed his contract. Um, and, you know, to Brian's point, like the, the team can come to you and either ask you for a pay cut or cut you like and whatever be done. But the second the player does it, they're all of a sudden the bad people. So um, I don't think it's anything that he doesn't want to be here. Like, again, like you said, he, thrives in the system and it sounds like um from reports that he's extremely happy with the system um but there's the financial side of it and when you're in, you know playing a position or you know that you are at the top of your game and there's other guys again like there's a lot of names out there i'm not necessarily going to throw any of them under the bus that they're making as much money or more than you and that you know it doesn't doesn't make sense but I think a lot of the moves that the Vikings are doing now, like whether it's the Tomlinson contract and how that's worded or freeing up space. Otherwise, like in, again, the kicking the can down the road when the salary is going to be going up. I think a lot of that is with the intent that there's going to be some sort of restructure at some point with Hunter, whether it's official and on the books now or they give him that agreement of, you know, before the season or after the season's over, like, hey, we're going to restructure it and get you that money. Um but, you know, I don't know what they do behind the scenes as far as handshake agreements, but it doesn't seem like Rick is a type of person that, um, you know, would say something and do something else. I don't know. Brian might know no differently in that regard. But uh, I think that they that a lot of what they're doing is to free up that cap space to be able to extend him um, in the manner. Um, and then as far as the dig situation, yeah, to your point, digs seemed like 
he ruffled feathers along the way. You know, again, I go back to the, Oh, I'm sick. <clears throat> like, you know, missing practice. So, um, whereas Hunter, you know, is clearly an injury and, uh, and everything's come up since. So, um, I mean, hopefully it all gets resolved or, you know, even better yet, hopefully it's stays as is. And then he goes out and has a monster year and then they pay him. So, and then both sides win. So, um, we'll and, and, you know, you could arguably look, you know, look at it that, if you rework his deal, technically you could actually make his cap hit less yeah. this year. So right. like, <laughs> uh, it, depending on how you do it, and, but, and maybe I'll get bad talk from Hunter himself for even saying this, but I do kind of blame his agents and his agency for this. Everyone and their mother saw edge rushers getting 20 million a year down, like right, right across the street. Like, I, I, what were you doing agreeing to that deal? And, and, and a five-year deal on top of that when you're, what, 23? Like, mm. Well, and so that's the other part of it. Like, it seems like when the Vikings signed him to that big deal, that was, like, right before he kind of took off because he wasn't the full-time starter at the time. So the Vikings did their due diligence and paid gave him a, a, a ton of money ahead of time. And, yes, he's gone and he's outproduced that contract but uh um you know i guess there's always that balance of what makes the most sense um from a team and individual standpoint so obviously all vikings fans would love to see him back and any other team in the league would love to have number 99 um on their team so um I mean, we'll see what happens, but we'll, uh... and dust, dust. I really did just want to quick say, uh, Darren Wolfson is just reporting no, no void years on P- Peterson. Yeah, it's only a one-year deal, so yeah. Well, there's could st- I mean, Tomlinson had a two-year deal, but then you know, three days later, he found out he had three void years. So, <laughs> so the thing on uh, the hunter is, uh, and this might surprise sometimes. I don't if it if it ended up in a trade. I don't know that the current regime and the leadership could survive that because you would lose two team changing assets in a calendar year. And Diggs showed his value, and we already knew how good he was, but he showed his value as a confirmation uh, in Buffalo, and it still has some you know staunch Vikings voices pissed that he's there, even though we have a guy that's on pace to be better than him in year one, it still rubs people wrong that Diggs left. And if the same thing happened with Hunter, no matter what we got back, because with Jefferson, it showed that that doesn't matter to some folks. I just don't think that Spielman and Zimmer could survive um, dealing both of them because then it starts to really be the, if these guys are leaving, there's something wrong. Um, I, I, I think that it would give legitimacy to the naysayers of Zimmer and the naysayers of Spielman that if you can't retain these two showstoppers, then maybe we're doing something wrong, but I do not think it'll get your, get here. I think this is Hunter's time to say, Hey, I want to get paid, and I think that he will. I think it's the apropos time to do it outside of that injury. I think the Vikings will just have to take a leap of faith and say, yep, we underpaid you for a couple years, and now we're going to make that right. Neck injury be damned, and, you know, just empty the piggy bank. I think that's They did it with Thielen. Uh, Thielen was only two years into a five-year deal, and they reworked his deal, so he got paid more. Um, also, you're not, you're not getting Daniil Hunter production out of anyone from the draft. Yeah, like like you like you were you did you lucked out with Jefferson. Let's yeah. let's be honest, we we did luck out yeah. that yeah. we got we got Stephon Diggs type production from a rookie. Yeah. you're you're not getting Daniil Hunter production out of a rookie. Going into that draft, I've said this a few times on the show with all those receivers that were there. Uh, Ron, you've heard me say this. I was like, just pick one. 
they're all going to be about the same. They're all, all pretty, right. they're all going to get about 700, 800 yards in the first year. And then we'll see if they produce more in, in time. And I was wrong. They, we happened to get the very best one. <laughs> so Just ask the Eagles about Jalen Rieger. And, uh... <laughs> all right, McKinney. So there's also players that are exiting the franchise, whether it's, you know, outright release or, you know, contracts up. So when you went to Baltimore, um, just describe like what are the differences that you recall, um, whether it was from the Vikings or the players or just the locker room or the town, like is football still football or is there completely different vibes when you, you pack up and you go to a whole new franchise? It's like being a new kid in a new school. <laughs> is there- That's what it kind of feels like. Cause now you have to kind of get acclimated Even like to a- that locker room and what, you know, how they run things and, um, and the two locker rooms from Baltimore and Minnesota were totally different. Um, like the locker room here, we had fun, but then like, you know, it, we would have to dumb things down too. where I feel like there, they, the locker room was their space in Baltimore and mm-hmm. they could kind of like, that was their sanctuary. They could kind of, they didn't have people coming in and, and dictating. And there wasn't a lot of coaches coming through the locker room and yeah. telling people to cut the music down. You can't do this. They had cornhole there. It was like, that was their free space. Like, yeah. but when it's time to work, we're working. But when you're in your locker room space, that's you and your teammates. Coaches weren't in there a lot. But for us in, in Minnesota, coaches were there a lot. And they were like monitoring. And they were like over like overseeing a lot of things really? that's being done in the locker room, almost like a babysitting. So people had their music up too loud. It's like, cut it down. Everybody's went here where it was a little more free in Baltimore. It was just like a lot more monitoring. Is that Does that monitoring. have to do with the like the leadership that was like, obviously Ray Lewis being the personality that he is and being one of the like greatest leaders really to, to play. It seems like, um, whereas in Minnesota back in those days, not saying that we didn't have leaders, but it seems like it was a little different, um, you know, other than maybe the Favre year. Um, but I mean, it, does that help? Like obviously Ray Lewis having a Super Bowl being, you know, the age Probably that he was. He, and, he was a big influence on a lot of things that we did. I mean, I remember when I first got there, if you were over 30 during training camp, you practice like every other day or something like that. But then I remember the year after the Super Bowl, when I was back in training camp, I said, well, what happened to if you was over 30? But that had went out the window when he left. Yeah. <laughs> Did that also help your transition? Did that help your transition to Baltimore as well? The fact that Ed Reed and Ray Lewis being from your alma mater, that they were there well, they and they kind of took there, you under the wing? You know, they were automatically, I already, already knew that they were going to look out for me because we came from the same, like, college, you know. And they, they've they been there their whole career, so they knew the ropes. To, so they would pass on any information I needed to know. So that was a big difference. And they were the big influences in the locker room. So it was two people that I already knew who had a lot of say-so amongst everything that we did. So... Even though, even though you felt like a, a new kid, so to speak, I'm I'm assuming that because you're you know you were so huge and the fact you were so good, um, do you get to waltz in there? I mean, I, I people don't mess with you or they don't give you a hard time, do they? I mean, well, no, no, no. I'm not. I wasn't a rookie, so they're not going to like come in there and bother me or anything. Um, it's just you know just trying to get to know the personalities, just trying to make sure you you know gel with the personalities because you want to be able to get along with everybody too. You don't want to come in there and disrupt anything they have going on. So I'm more of a person who sits back and observes, learns personalities from watching, and then, you know, I know how to deal with people. So that's kind of how I went about it. Um, so it is like you transferring schools, basically. Yeah. And now you're going in, <laughs> you're going into a new school, and it's a new group of personality and people, and even staff that you have to get familiar with. And that's what it feels like to me. 
Well, I'll say it again. I've said, I think this is be the fourth time I've said this. It worked. Yeah, you got your Super Bowl. It couldn't be oh, with yeah. the purple team. It had to be with the one with the birds on it. But, hey, all the power to you, sir. <laughs> what, 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 can I ask really quick, BMAC, what was like the – what were deciding factors in, in free agency for – what was that process like, like choosing which team you're going to? Was it like – was it just money? I, I don't feel like it no, was. No, it was really – I was trying to see where I would fit in at and – be a team that like was kind of in need of a left tackle, but the way the way that situation went, I didn't really get a chance to kind of scout the teams. I know I was looking at the Colts, but Ray Lewis once he got my number, he <laughs> was like, "There, you, you're not looking at nobody else. You're coming here." Like, and was calling like a little harassing, um, because he's wondering why <laughs> the deal done yet. And I'm like, "Well, you know, it, there has to be a negotiation period too." Like. We're not just going to say yes to the first thing they say. So he called me a few times. And then, you know, Ed Reed, you know, I guess he told Ed to call me too. Ed did reach out. <laughs> and I talked to Ed, and I'm, you know, more close with Ed and, and familiar with Ed. We're the same year. Um, and then at a certain point, I, I agreed with Ray, like, okay, I'll come there because you're not letting up. And I was really trying to check out other options. And he basically wanted to get this deal done. And then I was just wanted to, feel comfortable to make sure that Michael Orr was okay with me playing left tackle and he'll move over. So it was like different things like that, that I had, to, I, was, I just wanted to make sure I didn't want to come here and somebody on O-line is already like resenting me because I've made them move to another side, but he actually preferred to play on the right side, which I didn't know. I didn't know he had a whole movie called blind side. Yeah. I said, no, I'm not on blind side anymore. Are you going to be upset? <laughs> so these are things I need to know. <laughs> this is Michael Orr's brand and McKinney's coming in here. Just right. So, all right, so let's go over a couple more things tonight. Ian, I'm going to go back to you. This is about outgoing players. Um, about two hours ago, uh, Mike Boone, our RB3, is heading to the Denver Broncos, uh, who are habitually a bastion of uh, running back uh, turnover. They always just churn the dudes out every three years and get a new one, and they've been doing that for a lot longer than the rest of the league. After Terrell Davis left, they started that strategy, stick, stuck to it. Now the NFL does that for the most part outside of the showstoppers like Dalvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey. So uh, I'm curious. I, I believe Philip Lindsay was not tendered by the Broncos, so he'll probably play elsewhere. How good do you think Mike Boone will be as Melvin Gordon's understudy in Denver? I think he'll be a solid number two. You know, when, when given the opportunity here, he he shined. Um, you know, clearly there was something the coaching staff saw to make him not lower than Alexander Madison on the depth chart too. But um, I think he can be a, a definite solid number two. Uh, I, I really like his running style. His running, he, he doesn't give up or he doesn't like, even when he, his knee hits, you can see his, his legs are still churning. Yeah. Um, his running style is just, and clearly look who, who got him. Look who got him. It was Patton. Yeah. So <laughs> so there's going to be some of those moves uh this I, th for a while as long as spielman in charge there's going to be this broncos to vikings pipeline that we're going to see because uh, those two were together for 15 years and yeah we're going to see a tunnel well and clearly he liked him he's not going to grab someone that he didn't think would fit a scheme Patton arguably knows Boone better than any other GM other than Steelman. So <laughs> what about, I'm going to give you a little platform because I know you love it here. Um, uh, what about Boone's fantasy outlook now? Uh, not much. I don't see like, I, I, I 
running back twos on their own team, I don't think have that much value, but he, you know, Gordon does have some, some injury history. So I think that he, he could have some value if you got Gordon on your team. Um, But I don't really see it much beyond that. You didn't play in Ron and I's 20 team league this year. So (laughs) for that kind of stuff. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes. On a 20 team league, you, you, he will be rostered. (laughs) See that and uh, Ron and I's eyes light up. Uh, Ron, so that one and Afadi got two and a half million from the Giants. Um, tell me how those two dudes will perform in their new homes. So, you know, I I don't know what the Giants edge rushing situation looks like. Um, you know, at this moment, I don't know if uh, Mafadi's stepping into a starting role. Um, but, you know, he's been a solid player um, when he has other talent around him and he's not the guy that was the, supposed to be the premier pass rusher. So um, I don't think he's going into a situation where, you know, the the other end opposite of him is going to be dominant unless they go somewhere in the draft. I don't know. But they do have two good defensive tackles there with um, with Lawrence and, uh, and Williams. So um, which is what made um, Dalvin Tomlinson expendable. Like they already have two beef eaters up front. So, um, you know, I wish him success. He was always a solid player here and, you know, played on the edge inside um, and was always at least um, productive. He wasn't, um, he wasn't a negative. He wasn't uh, Dakota Dozier like on the, on the offensive side. So, um, but uh, you know, and with Boone um, I'm, I'm one where I don't think Melvin Gordon is going to stay through his contract. Um, so I think the, with, um, with Pat in there, bring him in. Um, I'm actually surprised that Lindsay didn't hang around. Cause I think Lindsay's is better than Melvin Gordon. Um, and I think actually a Lindsay and Boone combo would have been a lot better than a uh, Gordon and Boone. Cause I think Boone is very similar to Melvin Gordon's running style. So uh, we'll see what happens um, again, wish him luck as well, but um, good for him for getting a multi-year deal. So. I don't think the Boone signing also takes uh, running back need away from Denver. They could easily address that in the draft still. Yeah. Yep. Depends on uh, how high they value both of those. And as far as a a body goes, uh, you wonder how much is scheme and coaching for him too, because he went to Cleveland and, and got cut after what, like three, four games. Like it wasn't much and then came scurrying right back to us. So yeah. yeah, you, you wonder how much is our coaching staff that brought Same it out. with Weatherly too. Um, Weatherly yep. went, got a big deal in Carolina and didn't do much, came back. So um, yeah, there is something to be said about what the Vikings and what um, Patterson and Zimmer do with the defensive line. So um, as evidence of not having drafted someone in the first round for, you know, well over a decade. So and while we're on a body, let's say did his exit, point to anything hunter because he kind of said it made his his exit tweet that he tweeted out was like i'm i'm leaving this for for daniel at tco like he made it kind of sad like obviously we're just speculating here as well as the the thing that you retweeted that hunter put all his vikings pack, pictures back up on his instagram um but like Afadi also kind of insinuated that hunter ain't going anywhere yeah, with the with the sword emoji and everything. Yeah, yep. we like that. All right, McKinney, I got a question about offensive line schematics that I've been dying to ask you for about six days. So there is a right tackle turned left tackle for the Baltimore Ravens named Orlando Brown Jr. He is about your size, and he is probably going to be traded. 
And for some reason, the Vikings are linked to that trade rumor mill uh, because we don't have a left tackle right now. Uh, But the thing is, we, the Vikings, employ a zone blocking scheme, which is usually nimble offensive linemen that are built closer to power forwards than they are mountains like you. So could you thrive as a left tackle in a zone blocking scheme or would that be a weird fit? I, I played in the zone blocking scheme before, so you did. When was yeah. that? Um, with Coach Tice, uh, one of those years he had a zone blocking scheme. Really? Gosh, I, yeah. must, I don't think I was too ingrained in the X's and O's back then because I I, I have no recollection of that. Was it was it doable? Yeah, it was doable. I mean, you just took your your just proper steps and you know you you, you zone block. So yeah, I mean it was it wasn't bad for me. Um, and, and you practice it. So I don't feel like he's a one-dimensional guy. I feel like he, he'll be able to make adjustments. He just has to learn, you know, the scheme okay. and, and who he has and everything like that. Would, would, you, would you argue that, like, scheme fit is, is overblown? Do we overblow it? I think it is a little bit for offense alignment. Like, I don't know about other positions. Offense alignment, certain schemes, yeah. I mean, some people are more finesse people and not physical. So when you get some just downhill running type of thing, some people aren't built for that. So some people like the zone thing because they'll have help and, you know, somebody else come with them. But it just depends on the player. But I feel like if you're already a physical player, zone blocking isn't going to be too much difficult for you because you're having help and you're taking steps and you're covering areas. So it doesn't matter. But if he was more of a finesse player, then you would probably have a more issue. Also, is that like for zone blocking, like when that term is thrown around, like to my knowledge, and I could be completely wrong, but to my knowledge, that's more so in the running game. When it comes to pass blocking, yeah, you're it's, still it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely in the run game. So when you're talking zone blocking, it's, it's run game. Okay. Cause yeah, it's when you're in pass protection, it's you're getting in your sets and you're, you know, just yeah, getting no, your hands and everything. Okay. It's, it's run game. Yeah. So someone that big, and I mean, to my knowledge and watching him play, and obviously maybe it's uh, expanded on because Lamar Jackson's always moving around so much. Like, but I mean, it didn't seem like he's, you know, like not take, not nothing against Phil Lodeholt, but Phil Lodeholt and his footwork versus you and your footwork were a lot different. Like, I mean, just Phil Lodeholt was a right tackle. You guys are the same size, but you were a left tackle. So Brown, it seems like he at least has that ability to, to get out and move in the running game. I mean, he's a big man, obviously, right. but uh, and he must have pretty decent feet for them to be able to move from, from right to left. So it's pretty, right. pretty good. So, and it's I not like he's like playing he's... right because he wasn't any good. Ronnie Stanley was their left tackle who's arguably one of the best in the league. So you're not, you're, you're not usurping him on, on the left side. So, um, you know, and to my knowledge, again, like when he's moved over to that left side, they didn't miss a beat again, Lamar Jackson's a different beast back there, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, but, you can still see, you know, going up against the Steelers twice a year, like Bud Dupree um, and TJ Watt, like they, it's not like they just ran rough shop against, against them. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I'd love it if we can find a way to get them, but that's because we need offensive yeah, I mean, linemen. So. Like, why are the Ravens letting him go? Because I felt like he was doing a good job for them. He wants to play left tackle and his dad, um, his dad is like, yeah. that's the big reason that uh, like he, whatever is, I don't know, not, of our ball type and like I'm putting it into existence, <laughs> okay. but I think that that's the main reason he wants to be a left tackle. Yeah. The, uh, okay. I will, t- I will tell the listeners and you guys that there are competent Vikings personnel that I trust that, you know, heard of this move and said, they can't do that. He doesn't fit the scheme. Like he, it doesn't make sense. So I'm glad that you debunked that Brian, or at least, you know, said well, that. I, I will say really quick too. There's been several, 
you know, reporters that I, I trust as well that have come out and said that it, from the sounds of it, the Vikings are open to adjusting that scheme uh, along the offensive line as well. And, and they're not looking strictly for zone run blocking kind of guys, you know? Um, we just so, yeah. I think that's the beauty of having Dalvin. I think he can yep. drive in any in any blocking you put behind him. So, uh, B Mac, I got a quick question for you too. Could a is a good tackle able to bring up the you know make the guard better, or would a good guard make the tackle better? I think a good I think a good guard can help make the tackle better because. If the tackle feels confident that he doesn't have the peak and the check on him, that tackle can now focus a little bit more on the individual he has to go against. But if the guard is a little weak, it's like you're always going to be setting to kind of how to try to help the guard out and then still work on your guy. But once you have confidence in the guy next to you, it maybe goes either way. But I just feel like a good guard can help the tackle out a lot more. Especially, too, sometimes the guard might not have anybody because the nose guard might be over the center and that guard kind of can freelance between the two. And like me and Kaleshi um, assembly, like if he didn't have anybody, I would set it up where soon as my guy goes to make inside move, he's going to come and like try to clean them out. So we would set people up for like different things too. And I had confidence in him and that's, he liked to do that. So I knew, you know, <laughs> I would set it up for, I won't let him beat me off the, you know, off the edge and make him feel like he can run inside and there goes, Kalechi ready like this, the nail him. Like, there's a video floating around on Instagram of a play from like a, a playoff game um, from our Super Bowl season of us actually doing that exactly. Yeah. All right. The last question I have for Ian and Ron, and I'll start with you, Ian, is what is the next move for the Vikings? I don't know how much money they have. I should have uh, researched that, but I'm not. I, I think they're at. I think they're at about four. Really? Um, with, with, but that's including the the Thielen restructure. Yeah, um, would be restructure Kirk, and they probably or, or it, it, they could extend Smith too. Like that's something that's been talked about. I think you know, like we even mentioned, they could extend Hunter too. Yeah. Um, what's being rumored, and I, I read this literally like seconds before we started this, was that if Larry Fitzgerald doesn't retire. It's the Vikings or Ravens. Oh, okay. So I, I think that would be really interesting uh, finally, to bring him in. Finally, happen after what <laughs> years of. Uh, but I mean, we 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 gotta hope it's offensive line. I'm sorry, like that's we we gotta we gotta get an offensive lineman. And I, I I've heard uh, Gabe Jackson's name thrown around and i think he would be a great fit um I'd love is he the him. one that just got traded or no he's he's he got cut um yeah but <laughs> someone just got traded to seattle um oh was that gabe i think it was i think, I think it was. that might have been yeah that was gabe Jackson. you're right you're right um so uh you know i would uh, i'm looking at forest lamp or or Ugh. try to tra- trade turn i know yeah. trade turner if, i like but not at that not at that money no, he, but, but it, for if forest lamp can actually stay healthy like I think you're getting a, a solid starting guard, but obviously that's a big if with him too. So, what about you, Ron? What's your uh, your next steps for this Vikings off season? I mean, I think you know, as weird as it sounds, like with only really the two big moves, and you know, Nick Vigil as a depth linebacker in the mix, um, 
they've quietly, like just by getting healthy and again, assuming Hunter's on in the mix, they've improved that defense dramatically. Um, like they added, they added depth positions that they needed. Um, there's still maybe a safety short, but it sounds like the name that I heard today that would really intrigue me is Keanu Neal. If we can get Keanu Neal, um, man, that would be great. Uh, let Harrison prolong his career by playing more um, in that free safety role, but Keanu Neal is just a monster up front when healthy. So um, I would love that. And hopefully if you get him, you don't have to overpay, but he's also only 26 or so years old. So um so I love that. Um, but I think now it's just nailing the draft. Um, that really is the next, whether, whatever free agents are out there. Um, Alshon Jeffrey just got released. That's another name that would be interesting. Um, him or Fitzgerald in that jump ball threat, still really good red zone threats who are also good run blockers on the inside. So, um, you know, if they look to add a veteran receiver, one of those guys obviously would be good. But uh, um, I think really just spend the time and nailing this draft, whether it's I mean, Sean Slater at 14 or, or um, um, the Virginia tech kid or trading back. Um, they need to just nail it. They, they also, uh, you know, smaller need, but I think something that could be addressed, especially since they are, are potentially are looking at wide receivers is that, you know, kick return or punt return or roll as well. So someone like a Keelan Cole, who's obviously, yep been rumored would, and he's would got be, ties to mccardell so it, it, exactly um you know it, so dustin i have a question for you too how much do you think we should read into rick's love of preferring players that were cut so they don't count against the compensatory formula well, how I, much should we read into that yeah i, I think that uh, he likes those uh not breadcrumbs but he likes i i believe that there is something to read into that because i think that he covets just like we giggled about how the sixth and seventh rounder is always the next big thing. I think he kind of thinks that too. Uh, so yeah, I think the compensatory chess match is something that he keeps his eye on. So yeah, I read into it. I mean, it's not quite like, Oh, who liked this tweet? Uh, but but <laughs> so, so, so could, uh, you know, we mentioned safety could a uh, Kenny Vaccaro make yeah. sense. Like he was cut and doesn't count against that formula. And so far, literally everyone we've signed, there's been no rumors about. So <laughs> Yeah, so we also have to be careful with the the rumors of Keanu Neal and 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 bringing Aunt Harris back and Larry Fitzgerald and all this. Like no one leaked Tomlinson, no one leaked P- P- uh, Peters, uh, Patrick yeah, Peterson. Like so quiet after. A- oh, do, oh, do you also think that Josina Anderson's called? Are are we sure that was Peterson? No, uh-uh. I thought it was Sherman. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But like, do we now, like now knowing Peterson's side, do we, do, yeah. do you think it was Peterson? In retrospect, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was one that I actually did read into because I was like, she's talking to somebody and she knows her stuff. So it's something. Right. Yeah. So, all right, I want to run this down um, for the people that might be a little bit more casual fandom. Uh, the players that the Vikings will not have back in 2021 are Kyle Rudolph, Chris Jones, probably, Dan Bailey, Riley Reef. Mike Boone, Fadi Adembo, Shamar Steven. And then the players that will be somewhat new to the team, Steven Weatherly. Um, Rashad Hill's not new, but he was re-signed. That's notable because he's like the only one. Dalvin Tomlinson, Nick Vigil, we didn't talk about him. Chad Beebe and Patrick Peterson, that was the big news. And then the dudes that are in limbo from the existing roster are Amir Abdallah, Todd Davis, Dakota Dozier, Anthony Harris, George Iloka, Jaleel Johnson, Brett Jones, Sean Mannion, Hardy Nickerson Jr., and Eric Wilson. And th- those are the ones that we'll keep an eye on here. Just the interesting tidbit of where they might go, especially the big names like Harris and Wilson. 
Uh, BMAC for next week is Burleson, Nate Burleson, semi-confirmed? Yeah, I sent you an email, correct? Yes, you did. Uh, but I, oh, I was, yeah, yeah, he said next weekend. He has family this weekend, so he said next weekend is good. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Well, that's all we got for tonight. Uh, Ian, I hope you'll come back. You were spectacular, and we love your your insight. Um, But that's all we got for tonight, and Skull Vikings. Skull. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.